0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Counterspin, The Majority Report, The David Feldman Show, Lee Camp's Moment of Clarity, The David Pakman Show, The Jimmy Dore Show, Real Time with Bill Maher, and The Young Turks. And a note for all listeners, Lee Camp's segment today carries a prerequisite of Philosophy 101, or for you to have at least read Sophie's World.
1: Media are in campaign mode, and that means trolling for gaffes, those unscripted or off-message comments journalists find really important. Most recently, of course, all heck broke out when Barack Obama said the private sector is doing fine. In the context of a comparison to public sector employment, this was actually an accurate observation, but Mitt Romney's campaign declared it proved Obama doesn't understand business. And thus a gaffe was born, a major gaffe, said the Washington Post. The Boston Globe website ran the headline, President Obama's Private Sector Gaffe, a possible window to soul, like other recent gaffes. Some people thought this was all a bit much, which prompted Washington Post reporter Chris Zaliza to write a piece on June 11th to explain that it really does matter. The fact that we're focusing attention on what he acknowledges as a single out-of-context statement misses the point. Salissa argues, which is that, quote, We live in a media world where even the smallest comment can be amplified into a national headline in minutes, close quote. Right, but who decides which gaffes are gaffes? Reporters. They aren't merely observing campaign phenomena, especially not in a case like this. They're shaping the conversation. George W. Bush stated repeatedly that the U.S. invaded Iraq because Saddam Hussein would not allow weapons inspectors into the country. And that was never a gaffe. But Solicit contends that even if Obama's private sector remark was true, he's obliged to cover it as a gaffe because it, quote, plays directly into the story that Republicans are trying to tell about him. That he is a big government liberal who thinks the answer to all problems is expanding the federal bureaucracy and who lacks even a basic understanding of how the private sector works, close quote. So reporters are obliged to amplify narratives based on inaccuracies because political players put them out there. It's going to be a long campaign season.
2: Allman writes in the New York Times, liberals are ruining America. I know because I am one. And he goes on to talk about how he quit his job as an adjunct professor at Boston College to protest the selection of Condi Rice as commencement speaker. He got offers to speak on right-wing television. He went on to Hannity and Combs. He sort of got in a couple of good knocks but he says now he sort of thinks it was all not worth it. He said this is the tragic flaw of the modern liberal. We choose to see ourselves as innocent vis- victims of an escalating right-wing fanaticism, but too often we serve as willing accomplices to this escalation. He goes on to say it's wrong for people for liberal liberals and liberal outlets to watchdog and to criticize what the right wing is saying. Now, I don't spend as much time on my program on the majority report at majority.fm, sort of tracking the stupid things that um, O'Reilly says or Limbaugh says or any other right wing pundits say. I do it a little bit, but not much. But that's simply because it's being done. I have other fish to fry. And sometimes I'll highlight something absolutely stupid that a right winger says, who's a politician, say. But the notion that somehow we escalate the voices of Limbaugh or whoever it is and make media stars out of them and actually create more of a problem by exposing what they're saying and allowing that to feed into the mainstream uh, press is f- is absolutely wrong completely unsupported by any data or anecdote i know this because up until about two thousand three we had nothing there was no media matters there was no uh left wing talk radio. there was no liberals on television who had their own show none none zero zilch nada and if you don't think that guys like Limbaugh at all had any influence uh Take a look at the impeachment proceedings in ninety four. Take a look what was swimming around there, the, the fact that the Clintons were considered murderers. Take a look at how so much of what perked up on the right go read David Brock's book. All that right wing uh media just put all sorts of white water, all that crap got into the mainstream media from there. And they were just ramping up their enterprise. It is absurd. It is absurd empirically to suggest that the reason why right wing memes get into the national discourse is because of their being watchdogged. No, that's ridiculous. Are there some um liberal media outlets that spend too much of their time doing this because they know it's a ratings boon? I mean, look, I got news for you. Anytime I put something stupid by a conservative on YouTube, we get hits. Far more hits than any policy conversation or whatnot. And we do a lot of policy on this show. Are there shows that rely on that stuff too much for my taste? Yes. Is it a waste of real estate sometimes? Yes. but the idea that on balance that if we didn't pay attention to this it would just sort of go away and be meaningless is is ludicrous this is what we heard over and over again in the nineties how do you think it was so easy to roll into war because there was no liberal voices on television Because these memes that were starting in the right wing press were unchallenged. And there was a relentless drumbeat coming from Fox. Relentless. That spread to other. Uh, it, I mean, just tell Shirley Sherrod that it doesn't matter what Glenn Beck says tell acorn that it doesn't matter what some uh, right wingers saying in some uh, far off universe it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and the only way that you fight this stuff is by exposing it and showing how stupid it is it's the only way you cannot ignore it it will not go away you're in la la land you're in la la land if you think that's the case You know, I I heard so much of this before. If we unilaterally disarm it's not even disarm if we just ignore them, they'll go away. No. No, if we ignore them, they'll continue to grow exponentially.
3: You know, sixty percent of Republicans still believe that they found, they found weapons of mass destruction. Yes, in, in Iraq. Wow.
4: And they and what? They the, the they just have a bad publicist, and it never got
3: out that they that they found them. Did, I was thinking, do you know what, what they should do with? You know how Fox News got it wrong? Obamacare. Yes. Why correct it? They should just let those people <laughs> believe that there's that Obamacare got overruled. <laughs> right. All, there's an alternative universe. Like they have let a, them live.
5: Exactly. Like they have a problem with. Like, how about... Anyway, yeah. Uh, David, what percentage of people in America... Uh, believe in creation don't believe in evolution well I think Mitt Romney is depending
4: on the fact that people are ignorant yes. that's his one shot at winning the election yes. well that and the fact like that, they're gonna,
5: that they're gonna okay. that they're gonna steal it and buy it but. and you know, Barack Obama's uh-huh. planning on the fact that most people are marginally informed mmm right that's yeah. what he so they're planning on that you're not informed at all uh-huh. and Barack Obama's plan uh, you know hoping on or counting on that you're a little bit informed
3: hmm by the way it felt great being a Fox News pundit for a couple of minutes oh it, it really good. did it, my I, life was simplistic you mm-hmm. could see the allure mm-hmm. it really does it felt yeah. great to just had clarity definitely it, yeah. it really does Oh,
4: just now you mean yeah it really yeah. Felt, yeah because I, you're you're convinced of how right you
5: are and you're on the time. winning team yeah. and yeah. you're gonna make be well-paid for it you to be well-paid uh-huh mm-hmm. and you can
3: be see that's the thing about like and you can steamroll. You know when I yeah, yeah. Go, take Steam your facts and go, vroom, just mow them all down with mm-hmm. oh, might m- makes right. I saw that
5: clip by the way of Se Cup saying that the Fortune magazine article uh-huh. that debunked all this stuff about Fast and Furious. <laughs> so Se Cup is uh, says that well Did that's been debunked and they said where's it been debunked? She said you can read about it on Town Hall. Town <laughs> and Hall. nobody
4: like really challenged her on no, it. No, and I right? just yeah it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they said there's a we're talking about this new show on NBC called the cycle. No, MSNBC. Oh,
5: MSNBC. Yeah. And they talk to this woman, Se Cup. She's a conservative. She's a young, hot mm. female conservative. I, mm. I don't think she's that hot, actually. Not as hot as uh, Aaron Burnett. No, and she's from uh, the, the she has a, she has a column or mm. she at the, at the at the Daily News right. that, that that shit rag, uh, right? Uh-huh. And so then she gives her instant credibility, right? Mm. Cause she so then she comes on this show, so then they make her this person. She's going to be the conservative. On on the show, right, right, and but it's not like it's like they talk to her. If you notice, mm-hmm. like you talk to her like a child, they always have. Yeah. To, it's like they're always explaining things to her uh-huh. about. No, see that that's because of this, and you yeah. can't remember how we said that the sun comes up. <laughs> <And> she's the <laughs> yeah, expert, yeah, and she's this person. Yeah, she's she's on the show. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just it makes the show unwatchable. But, but what really I was does. about
4: to say is is it was obvious from that moment that when they were preparing that show. Everyone was told, "Look, you can't start yelling at SC. Cum. Yes, you just have to. You just let have it. to take it. Yeah, you just have to take it you because have to take because it. that was an outrageous, yes. ridiculous thing to say, and nobody. And these are like right. really Steve Kornatsky and. Uh, Toure and yes. uh, and, uh, Crystal and Crystal Ball. Ball. These are all like really smart people, yes. and and none of them said anything to her when she said that. Was what there are at the least we? some nice silence afterwards and close-ups? Yeah, it was there liking? was yeah. It was it wasn't what it should have been. It should have been um, the security guard coming over and, and yes. removing her from the building.
3: Now Fox <laughs> News has not corrected their mistake. They have not apologized. Their mistake. Well, the big mistake of hiring Bill O'Reilly. No, <laughs> their big Obamacare being... Well, well, uh, the thing oh, is, oh, is,
4: thing. is um, Fox News corrected it much quicker than CNN did. Really? Yeah, they did. Uh, Meg or uh, whoever that, Megyn Kelly... Yeah? Um pretty soon after they announced it and they had the Chiron, you know, Obamacare repealed or whatever, she got a thing in her ear and she said, Oh, I'm hearing conflicting things but on CNN it went on for several minutes where they <laughs> really? where John Robert, where they were talking about, you know, and Wolf Blitzer, Oh, this is a devastating blow
3: to this oh, <laughs> you know man. CNN. Yeah has hit the lowest numbers in the history of CNN. Mm-hmm. Fewer people are watching CNN now mm-hmm. than since it began. And and do you know what their remedy to fix it is? What? Now,
5: well, so I just read today that the guy who's in charge of the CNN International is conflicting with the guy who who and he is also the boss of the guy who runs the American one and they're conflicting. So mm-hmm. they're going to fire the international guy. Which, if you've ever seen CNN International, it's really good, mm-hmm. as opposed to the CNN in America, which is like People Magazine. Yeah, right? exactly. And so they're they're going to go even worse. They're going to. They think they need to get even worse. I think more of their hosts are going to come out. I, I, <laughs> so
3: I don't. Uh, it's it. You know, somebody. That's, r- that's an example of how bad CNN has gotten. Anderson Cooper was the last one to know he was gay <laughs> <laughs> as long as you 're not getting ratings why don 't you take the moral life yeah. well that
5: 's what somebody said that 's what I think Jen Uger uh, made the point of you know if you just would you know there 's a niche out there for mm. you it 's called the news, yeah, mm-hmm. you know people turn to you they want the news but and- there
4: the way cNN approaches that though is is their whole thing is so oh we're like straight down the middle you right. know we we get the two sides of every story yeah. you know if if um, if you don 't think that if you think that Obama was born in america well let 's hear the other side of that you know?
6: right. no I, I want yeah. my news to be palatable
5: right there is empirical yeah. evidence out there there is that like like the whole thing when people want to um uh, argue about climate science you know and you go no, mm. no or, or about global warming or climate change, mm. and then they 'll always have the other side on right so, uh-huh. and it 's like no there's this the c n n should say no we don 't have that side on because this debate has already been had. It's been had by climate scientists, right. and they've already concluded. So we don't show that side because that's not a credible side. Right. That's not a real side. There aren't two sides to everything. Right. So there, right, exactly, there is. There are some facts that they can get right like that, and so and but but and and I think that's all they need. Though the other side, the oil companies and the people, is to just make it a little murky. Look, there's all these other scientists who think mm, the other way, yeah. and that's that's the problem. And stuff like the like. Trump and all.
4: Yes. All of those things are always given legitimacy, even though, like, Wolf Blitzer, even though Anderson Cooper or Wolf Blitzer might be saying, hey, but come on, and and (laughs) supposedly challenging, but the fact that it's being talked about and that it's being discussed as if if. that's like the other side of the argument, it gives it all legitimacy. Do you know
3: who admits that global warming is real? No. ExxonMobil. You know, they have foreign policy statements. And they have official positions on science. They are a nation. They're protecting themselves from future lawsuits or something. I I think that would be
1: part of the strategy of that. Well, they
3: do acknowledge that global warming is, in fact, as they're paying climatologists and scientists to deny it. Their official position is global warming is real. And I guess it's just the country has gotten so stupid. And and there's a little part of me just cuz I'm filled with so much rage that the red states seem to be suffering the most from their own stupidity there's mm-hmm. a fire now in Arizona that's the largest fire is in that the- in
4: Colorado or is that in Arizona well there's
3: one in Arizona uh-huh. and it's the biggest fire in the history of Arizona and by the way if you live in Arizona how can you tell if there's a fire I, mean, <laughs> that's, I never understood that I just think but. It turns out that the fire was started by a bunch of guys who decided to go camping for a bachelor party. Mm -hmm. Did you read about this? No. No. It was a month ago. So Mm -hmm. a bunch of guys said, hey, Jimmy's getting married. Mm -hmm. Let's go on a camping trip. And they had a couple of beers and then they started firing their guns. Now, we're in Arizona Mm -hmm. where all the global warming deniers live. Right. And everybody's allowed to carry guns. Mm -hmm. Right. And they start firing off... Guns, and one guy thought it would be interesting to put an incendiary device in one of his guns, and he fires it at a tree. Whoosh, the tree explodes, and it starts the fire. But
4: you got to admit it was probably pretty cool at that <laughs> moment <laughs> when, yeah. he, when it happened. Uh, yeah, yeah that he, sound effect <laughs> made me yeah. so interested. I
3: was
6: like, "Wow, what would that Hope he look took like? out his
1: telephone. And,
3: uh, <laughs> so I'm reading the story that. today. And I'm thinking, all right, here is the dumbest state in America, Arizona, mm. with the biggest forest fire mm. in the history of the stupid state. And I'm thinking, when are they going to learn not to get married? Because <laughs> it was the bachelor party that started this all. <laughs> if they didn't have that <laughs> goddamn wedding plan, uh, no, I mean, when, when, uh, do, when do you wake up and say David we are Belman. a stupid state with our guns? Look mm. at we look at what we're doing here and supposedly they believe in a vengeful god Uh christians or whatever they call them Uh isn't god telling you something texas with the drought yeah well they
4: in arizona they but some people are saying that that guy was just defending himself from that tree
7: (laughs) (laughs)
3: well the tree was standing its ground
7: yes it was (laughs)
4: definitely
3: you see i'm
7: walking back home and I don't care if it takes years or more. But as I walk through the hills
2: of Kentucky, the leaves begin to turn
7: red, Mm, and I think of you. Yes, I think of you. Prettiest
6: tree on the mountain. It's sort of sad to see special political fact-check features to begin with, since you'd hope fact-checking would be part of the regular job of reporting. And then the efforts also often disappoint in themselves. Take the Washington Post's Glenn Kessler's piece on June 21st, eviscerating Barack Obama's latest ad critical of Mitt Romney. Kessler gives the ad four Pinocchios, the lowest score, because, quote, on just about every level, this ad is misleading, unfair, and untrue, from the use of corporate raider to its examples of alleged outsourcing, close quote. Kessler's just being arcane in arguing that the term corporate raider has a very particular meaning in the world of finance and shouldn't be applied to Romney because his takeovers were generally done in close association with management. Plenty of people don't share this definition. A quick search finds numerous occasions of Republicans, Democrats, and journalists applying the term to Romney. But even stranger, Kessler was asked by Talking Point's memo how he squared his criticism of the ad's outsourcing accusation with the Washington Post news article that ran the same day, headlined, Romney's Bain Capital Invested in Companies that Moved Jobs Overseas. Was Kessler's colleague Tom Hamburger a Pinocchio, too? Kessler's answer, quote, to be clear there is a distinction between saying someone is responsible for shipping jobs overseas, the ad, and saying someone invested in companies that specialized in helping companies subcontract work to overseas factories, Tom's story, close quote. If fact-checking is supposed to separate rhetoric from reality and help viewers understand things better, all we can say is this isn't doing it.
8: I've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. In Plato's cave allegory, he speaks of prisoners who have been locked in a dungeon their entire lives. They know nothing of the world except the shadows cast on the wall in front of them. Soon they don't realize they're only looking at shadows, and that becomes their reality. The question is, are we the prisoners in the cave now? We now spend roughly 15 years of our lives immersed in TV and video games that have nothing to do with what's going on in the world. There are global protests right now, and many of us are more caught up in football games or cooking shows, the football game or the other football game, and after that, there's a football game, and then football game. And the problem is people exhaust their natural anger about what's going on in the world in easier ways. Their kid is sick without health care. They're they're behind on their home payments, but they're furious because the Red Sox lost. This is bull****. <laughs> Shut up, Timmy. Stop whining about your Lyme disease. Daddy's busy with his misdirected anger. You, you should learn from this and you know, go misdirect your anger. Beat up your sister or something. So I've got an idea. Maybe if the protests or the environmental destruction were covered by sports announcers, people would finally give it. And here we are, back at the protest down on Wall Street. The cops have clearly been training in the off-season. Wait, some of the protesters have button-hooked over the unmanned side. They've jumped the barricade. The police have pulled out pepper spray. But the protesters have masks. They could go all the... No, no, the police just beat the Out of their star player, an 85-year-old granny for peace. She'll have to be carted off the field. Looks like the men in blue will take this round, successfully protecting the criminal activity of their owners in the Ivory Towers. Join us back here tomorrow when the protesters try a new tactic of aggressive singing, and the cops try out tasers. I don't know why that sports announcer was in the 1950s, though. Anyway, the point is, we're watching the gladiators while Rome is burning. There's a reason ultimate fighting is now more popular than ever. I mean, you see 300 pounds... Can we make a rule that if you're a 300-pound morbidly obese dude in a McDonald's, you can't be wearing a tap-out t-shirt? You can't wear a tap-out t-shirt when you yourself would tap out halfway through a, a rigorous jumping jack. Anyway, there's a real life battle waging out there, and instead, most of us are watching the Avengers. Don't get me wrong, I saw the Avengers. I'm not saying don't watch the, shit. I'm just saying don't watch all of the. Shit. If the Incredible Hulk had used his anger screaming at the television because the Lakers had lost instead of, of, of a beating up the, shit, mankind would have been. Bullshit. That's the message I got from the Avengers. Plato pondered, if the prisoners were taken out of the dungeon and shown the real world, would they be able to handle it, or would they be so overwhelmed they'd run back into the dungeon and flip on the new season of Shadows on the Wall? I have faith in all of you, step out into the light. Show
7: me sunshine, show me good times, we are
2: did the Supreme Court rule on the Affordable Care Act. They also ruled on a law called the Stolen Valor Law. And the Stolen Valor Law basically made it illegal to lie about whether or not you had gotten uh, served in the military and gotten a medal, I think it was. I don't even know how one thinks that you can you can push this law. It seems absurd to me. I mean it's one thing if you commit fraud and actually like, you know, the definition of fraud is you need to fraudulently convince someone to give up uh money or something like this or do something. But I mean, people go around all the time and say, I'm a PhD or I want a Pulitzer or I was nominated for a Pulitzer. You can you don't make that illegal. I mean, I guess it's a PhD if you, you sort of like entice people to sort of Use your services because for it, but the the actual act of lying that seems uh, ridiculous. And but there's somebody who's really really upset about it. Are you ready for this?
9: The Supreme Court struck down the Stolen Valor Act today. Do you know what the Stolen Valor Act is? This this is essentially. The Supreme Court just said it's perfectly fine to lie about medals and awards that you received in combat. Supreme Court today struck down the Stolen Valor Act, saying that the First Amendment defends a person's right to lie, even if that person is lying about awards and medals won through military service. In 6-3 decision, Supreme Court justices said today that, as written, the Stolen Valor Act is too broad. And ignores whether the liar is trying to materially gain anything through his or her false statement. That would make it more akin to fraud. So if your neighbor starts running around saying he got the medal of freedom, medal of honor, the purple heart, whatever, perfectly fine. He can go make a fake medal, he can hang it around his perfectly no
2: problem now. Well what, what what is this I don't understand what the problem here with that is. You think your neighbor should be put in jail if they pretend to have a medal? What do you do on Halloween? Do you have a special Halloween exemption? There's a kid going around with an army outfit. He's wearing a medal. And it's not even wearing an army outfit. He's wearing an official outfit or uniform. This is just bizarre. I think he's just pissed. Good. Now if he tries to
9: make money off of well, no. He can still do it. The justices said that only if these liars were trying to profit materially would they have struck down the law. But the First Amendment gives them the total right, the freedom to lie about.
2: I know. <laughs> Did you make it up? That's that's probably his producer going like, but wait a second. Uh, what about your capacity to lie? Would that be in trouble? And then he goes, "I know, I know," and that's why he's laughing. At you can literally go out. Of, you can make it up. Purple
9: Heart, Medal of Freedom, Medal of Honor, what, whatever. Is it, If see if you out. I, I don't know. There might be hope for Sandusky. Depends. I don't know if they if they legalize pedophilia or not. We have to wait and see if it's in the healthcare
2: bill. It's from Media Matters, obviously. That clip. Now, what you're hearing is a guy who's just like wasn't prepared for his show, and I think he just picked that up. He didn't know what he was doing. I think guy's having a nervous breakdown. I think he's having a little bit of a nervous breakdown. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm with Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby. Comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker. And on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm.
10: Six corporations control 90% of the media. Let's put up the uh, infographic from Frugal Dad. Uh, let's also look at numbers that indicate the consolidation that we've seen. Let's see if we can put up that infographic, guys, from uh, Frugal Dad. Uh, that's the cue. Do we have that I inf- can't find that. It's called like Frugal Dad infographic or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see that. All I have is this random Romney horse thing. Uh, okay, that's unusual. And that's not it. All right. Well, that may we don't have it. There is an infographic on frugaldad.com and it points out the incredible consolidation that we've seen in media. In 1983, 90% of American media was owned by 50 companies. Now, in 2011, 90% of America Okay, we found the infographic and it's <laughs> that's a That's another like object that no one Fantastic. can tell what it is. Really it's not a glad. bookmark. That's the that's the graph. Uh, let's let's get that off off the screen. This is embarrassing, guys. There we go. Um, in 2011, we've dropped that ownership of 90% of the media down to only six companies. Those six companies are GE, News Corporation, Disney, Viacom, Time Warner, and CBS. So if we look at how many news executives those companies have and how many people are being reached, 232 news executives at these six corporations control the information diets of 277 million Americans. That means that one news executive at one of these companies controls eight hundred and fifty thousand people's television programming this is the best case argument for supporting independent media like the david Pacman show like the young turks like sam cedar and best of the left podcast it, it has to be the best argument Lewis. it does right. and luckily we have this thing called the internet um, which is also controlled in great part by these same companies but there's still there's a chance some there's a segments, fighting chance yeah there's mm-hmm. some segments of the internet if we can keep net neutrality from uh, uh uh failing us and making it so that Time Warner can make it so that Time Warner programming accesses really really fast on your computer on your internet connection but unfortunately the David Pacman show takes an hour to load hopefully that won't happen but ladies and gentlemen it's time to support alternative independent media you can become a member of the David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com slash membership. We're talking pennies a day here. Don't let two hundred and thirty-two uh mostly mostly white men in suits control your information diet. And the information diets of two hundred and seventy-seven million Americans. I mean fifty companies down to six companies controlling ninety percent of the media. Do you think those numbers resonate with people? Or do people just hear that and say, Oh, you know, uh, I, I, think, gotta, yeah, I, gotta, I think
0: they hear it and they say,
10: "Oh, that's that's just how it goes." That's just what it is. People accept it. Do you? What do you think, Matan? Do, do these numbers even impact people in a real way? Well, I think it impacts people in that when they hear it, they're stunned by it. But I don't think that it necessarily makes people act on. You know what? What can someone do to prevent uh, this from from continuing? You cancel cable. You become a member of the David Pacman Show, and you uh, what else? <laughs>
0: But what's going to happen yeah. when massive amounts of people start canceling their cable and turning to the internet for al- alternative media? Uh, these six companies are going to control the internet. These six companies are going to go all out and invest everything they have in making sure that they can control what people are watching on the internet.
10: Right. Well, if we can get some reasonable campaign finance reform, we can make it so they can't buy politicians to then get internet legislation passed exactly the way they want. Good luck, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it.
7: No one could down in my heart.
5: Okay, I don't know how many people saw this, but I did, and it was picked up by Crooks and Liars, and uh, I sent it to Frank immediately. Uh, because Uh, we both share a disdain for the young Luke Russert. World's
4: Uh, most successful paid intern.
5: World's most successful intern, Luke Russert. He was a guest, I guess. I don't know if that's the right term. He's a reporter for NBC News, and he was at the Capitol reporting on MSNBC, Martin Bashir's show. And Martin Bashir, uh, so they're all talking about the Republicans' positioning, you know, their talking points around uh, uh, the tax cuts expiring for the Bush tax cuts. So here's, Here's what Martin Bashir
3: has to say.
11: Luke, 98% of the population earns below $250,000 a year. 97% of small business owners fall under the same $250,000 threshold. So just to be clear, Luke, Speaker Boehner and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are fighting for the 2% and the 3%. Is that right?
5: Okay, so we all got that question, right? We all followed that, no problem. Let's see what Luke Russert, how he does.
12: What they would tell you is now, that... Is that
5: they- okay, so no, he won't answer the question. Mm. He's going to go, well, I'll, I'll repeat what they would say. Yeah. Here's what they would say. I'm going to repeat a falsehood. I'm going to give you their talking point. That's Luke Russert's journalism. Mm. I'm going to tell you their talking point. Okay, here it is. There's more. Right,
11: the 2% well, and would the they 3%. Would, <laughs> they would Are they fighting for they- the 2% and the 3%? They, they yes or
5: no? I mean, there couldn't be... Uh, you know, honestly... Uh, there couldn't be a more clear-cut case. I mean, he's actually – Martin Bashir might be a little over the top right now, mm-hmm. but he – yes, that's exactly what's what's you happening. You be
4: over the top when someone else is so under the uh, bottom yes. in terms right. of what they're willing to right. report. Yes,
5: what, ha- what is happening right now is the Republicans in Congress are standing up for the 1 percent. That's what there's mm-hmm. – or the 2 percent. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what's happening that's right. it there's there's no right. that's not a that's that's not a judgment call that's you're reporting the facts that's an objective that's uh, an objective fact stand, well yeah. they're standing up for
8: the people that run the country right <laughs> that's really what they're
5: yes th- they're. yes they're standing up for the richest people who run the country yes okay <laughs>
11: John he thinks Bader. it's hilarious, he th-
5: and he thinks it's hilarious. Let's 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 take it from the top one more time, okay? Just so we get a good running start.
11: Eight percent of the population earns below two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Ninety-seven percent of small business owners fall under the same two hundred and fifty thousand dollar threshold. So just to be clear, Luke, Speaker Boehner, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell are fighting for the two percent and the three percent. Is that right? What they would tell you is that, now, is that they, right, the 2% w- what and they the 3%, would t- <laughs> what they would tell are they you fighting they, for the 2% and the 3%? They, yes I or mean, no? I see
13: where you're going <laughs> here, and I'm, I'm not going to play along. Mitch
11: McConnell. They have to come on your show sometime, Lord. You Luke, guys, They mean, refuse to they uh, accept a single exchange. invitation from me, I'm asking you a very simple- it's not so, so,
10: like Luke is running for office. Yeah, I don't understand so, that. Luke what does he, he have game? to worry about? It'll that, yeah, be, the, be voted know, out in you're November? You're
4: going to want them on your show one day, so we can't talk the truth about them. I mean, that was his dad's philosophy, too. Yes. You know, that I, I, yes. I, I want to get big guests so I can never
8: tell you the truth about what they're really... How do I appear to be a journalist without upsetting anybody? Yes. <laughs> that's their, How is that's he going to be motive. able
6: to stay in the 2% without, <laughs> you know, completely <laughs> turning them against him?
5: Yes. Uh, you know, like any great Capitol Hill journalist, Luke Russert has to be careful not to piss off a Republican. Yes. Right? That's that's the guy who's the reporting from Capitol Hill. And he's going, I don't know. Don't ask me. Ask them. (laughs) Look, you're the guy. You're the guy that we we sent. You're being paid. He's being paid to do this. He's
4: being paid to go to the Capitol every day, browse some websites, see what's going on, go to... um, Uh, politicians and get their uh, talking points from them so he can report them back. Yes. And he doesn't give any viewer he, I'm obsessed with with Luke Russert's reports because he never gives viewers any information at all that you couldn't have gotten like a minute ago, or that I already knew or the,
5: just from, I from everything he says. I know already from browsing a
4: few Political. websites, and and he gets paid huge amounts of money to. to he gets to
5: paid. That. He gets paid
10: at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yes, a he year.
4: does. He does. I'm so we're on. back where we started. His, his dad made made like five or seven million a year.
7: Mm-hmm.
11: I, I'm Are you, they fighting living. for the two and the three percent? They or
12: they are fighting for, as what they would say, are for the small business job creators who they feel, with folks who could bring in three hundred thousand dollars, could feel pain uh, if this tax cut was to go forward. Now you bring up an interesting point: is when you press for specifics about which companies would necessarily feel this pain. Uh, there have been a number of studies that have been done, which the degree of uh, magnitude that would be felt of these companies is not nearly to the scale. Uh, of what we hear on, on Capitol Hill.
5: So what, what's happening right now is Luke Russert is reporting a most relevant fact, and he's doing it in the most begrudging way <laughs> I've ever heard. I or... know you want me to say this, and I'm saying the words, but I really am against it. You know, this is the stuff that the Republicans don't want me to say, Martin, And I'm gonna, but I will say yes, okay. all the studies that have been done show that what they're saying is I'll bull. I'll
4: say this, but... You know what? Thanks a lot. Now I'm not going to get to go to karaoke with, with John Boehner this Thursday night. There
5: there, there goes my Christmas invitation from the Runfelds. And I, I even said Runfelds. <laughs> Yeah, okay, there's a little bit more. All
12: that being said, though, Martin, is it's a very effective talking point uh, because you can say that you're going to hurt job creators, especially small uh, business ones. That is why folks like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer tried to raise that threshold all the way up to a million dollars so the argument is more clear-cut. You could say, look, uh, we want to stop tax hikes uh, for those making below a million dollars, but the wealthiest among us have to pay. just, 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 just... It's all talking points. It's all trying to... For the election.
5: Yeah, so that's why we're asking you to cut
3: through the talking point. Maybe
4: you could dig dig deeper (laughs) than that. Than just going and listening to the talking points <laughs> yeah, and reporting, reporting it back, it to, back me. to me. Maybe you could find some sources or something <laughs> yes. and find out what's what they're really thinking, what's really going yeah. on. You could do some reporting.
5: Yeah. Or how about that? I actually I interviewed somebody who did one of these studies, and of course what they're saying is all bullshit. It mm-hmm. doesn't. It's not backed up by facts or mm-hmm. research. And actually, that that's what he was asking for him uh, to say, and he said he actually ended up saying that stuff. But boy, did he not want to say that stuff. Mm-hmm. That and, was amazing. And you know,
6: Pelosi and yeah. Schum- Schumer, they've since they're in agreement now with the two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year so it's like that was the only fact that he wanted to report specifically it seems. Right. That, was that's, like
4: that's a Republican talking point yes. yeah. right. Right. What, what, what's that, that Pelosi and Boehner wanted that Schumer, Pelosi right. and Schumer wanted to yes. raise it
5: to a million right so there's a little bit more he has to say
11: to be clear both Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have both said that they support entirely the president's Correct. comments today right because
12: uh, it provides economic certainty for the right. middle class that's the Democratic argument now
6: now look there's- wait a, minute, wait a But then he just reported publicly that, <laughs> right. that's, that they were against it. Op- but he goes, but right, right, now they're on board. Mm-hmm. An irony
11: here in Speaker Boehner talking about job creation. Because if he was subjected to a proper appraisal, he'd likely lose his position on the basis of time wasting. He's planning for a full vote on the President's health care reform this week, the 30th in just two years. Can you explain to me, Luke, what's the point of these endless moments of pointless theatre when people are crying out for something constructive
12: from the Speaker? There's two reasons behind this health care bill that we're going to have Wednesday. Number one, it's red meat to the House Republican base. They love any time they have an opportunity to that talk about refueling. That does nothing I understand. Well, they feel that they can, but they can put that themselves on the side of that, which Wonderful. they feel is an unpopular it law. Number two, comments. is that the tax part of the law? That-
5: Honest to God, it's like Martin Bashir is interviewing a Republican spokesperson. Yes.
3: A college Republican spokesperson. Yes, <laughs> he sounds like a college
5: Yes. Person, just the the manner in which he speaks is yes. just kind of drawn out. He doesn't really enunciate. He kind of yes. half interested. Yes, there's, there's a little bit more to this.
12: Justice Roberts alluded to during that decision. Republicans believe is a win for them because they can say if you vote uh, to keep the president's health care law, you are in fact voting to raise taxes. Again, it's all for the election come November. It's all positioning. You won't see any real constructive work happening, Martin, until 2013 in Washington, D.C. Well, Not home
5: from then. you either. Yeah, I guess you can go home, right?
9: <laughs> and those who write laws, they can recite them. And those
2: of us who just fight laws, we live and die them. But I know they're never gonna tell you why, no. They only wanna tell you
9: lies, no.
2: Never, tell you
7: Pakistan has seen a television revolution over the past decade or so it's opened up the political dialogue and in some cases it's given voice to pro-democracy demonstrators but As the New York Times noted on June 18th, quote, the television revolution has also in some respects been bad news for Pakistan. Close quote. How so? Well, the Times explains it like this Some shows have given an unchallenged platform to extremists, like Hafiz Muhammad Saeed, the founder of the militant group Lashkar e Taiba, for whom the United States has offered a $10 million bounty. Conservative clerics have used the airwaves to reinforce prejudice and even urge violence against minorities. Editorial independence is sometimes curtailed by the businessmen who own the stations and unashamedly use them to peddle their interests. Controversy also surrounds the anchors, some of whom view themselves as players on the national stage rather than impartial observers of its machinations. Close quote. Giving a platform to extremists, reinforcing prejudice and bigotry, owners using the airwaves to promote their business interests, and anchors seeing themselves as national players. It's all just so hard to fathom.
14: Today,
8: you were falling.
0: a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the Membership tab at bestoftheleft.com.
13: If a 14-year-old can deliver your message, it's not because he's gifted, it's because intellectually you're a child. This is Caden Calgar, a 14-year-old conservative who has his own radio show and who made a splash this month for his ability to sound just like his older rivals on AM radio. Take a look.
7: We've got about 30, I'd say 30 uh, 30 teenagers in uh, this county that I'm at that are homosexuals. And it is sickening. I'm going to tell you this guys, President Obama Vice President Biden is making kids gay.
13: Wow. It's like one of those time travel movies where Rush Limbaugh goes back in time to when he needed just one Oxycontin to get high. I tell you, this kid's got 90% of Russia's venom with only 10% of the biomass. And I believe he could be president someday. And judging from his grammar, he could be President Bush. <laughs> oh, I, I kid the young Republicans. And you know, Caden is not the only tween right-winger out there. Back in 2009, Jonathan Crone, yes, that's a real book.
7: <laughs>
13: I know, it looks like something we made up, but it's not. <laughs> he published Defining Conservatism, the principles that will bring our country back and teach it to shave. Here's a little bit of Jonathan speaking to the CPAC convention.
15: Uh, I want you to understand. I want the American people to understand. The conservatism is not an ideology of feelings or romanticism, as some people like to say. Uh, it is an ideology of protecting the people and the people's rights.) <laughs>
13: Oh, my God. Is there a charity or something I can give to? (laughs) Wedgies without borders. I mean, I'm not trying to slam these kids because, look, being an asshole is totally totally understandable when you're 14. You're too young for sex and too old to carry your blankie everywhere. It's a very stressful time. But My point is to Republican adults, and it is this. When 14-year-old boys sound exactly like you do... and can produce radio shows and books and speeches that sound exactly like yours, maybe you should rethink the shit that's coming out of your mouth. (laughs) Remember the Republican debates we had this year? They applauded for the idea of letting a sick man without insurance die. Herman Cain got cheers for saying he'd electrify the border fence. They booed a gay man serving his country in the military. No wonder 14-year-old boys can do your act. You act exactly like 14-year-old boys. There's no ideology here. It's just about being a dick like last week when house republicans voted to keep using styrofoam in the cafeteria now most people avoid styrofoam when they can because not only is it non-biodegradable but it also poisons the food you put in it or as republicans call it a (laughs) win-win But honestly, Democrats were just trying to set a good environmental example by trading styrofoam for a risky and untested new technology called cardboard. I know, needs more study. But Republicans blocked it by a vote of 178 to fuck you. Fuck you, you want cups that don't leach chemicals into your coffee? Na na na, poopy face, you can't tell me what to do. Take that, knowing things. (laughs) You'll notice that the left doesn't have any teen prodigies. You're not going to find a 14-year-old who can do Rachel's show. But to do Hannity or Rush, it's a very simple procedure. Step one, be a giant dick. Step two, there is no step two.
15: Yo me siento tan alegre, yo me siento tan alegre, y de pensar en lo que yo en la vida a mí me da. solo yo me dije entera, son lo que llegan mis penas. solo yo me dije entera, son lo que llegan mis penas. En la vida a mí me da, en la vida a mí me da, en la vida a mí me da, en la vida a mí me da. Son hoy tan.
14: Big changes at CNN. John King is out at six o'clock. Oh, my God. Okay, finally, finally, they realize that they've got a problem at CNN. Uh, now their ratings are at a 20-year low. They're in uh, big, big trouble, and in fact, their top executives have said things have to change. Well, look, John King has been perf- uh, performing very poorly in the ratings for a long time. Makes sense to change him. So, who are the who's the new fresh face? They're going to bring in for CNN at six o'clock. Wolf Blitzer. Yes. <laughs> No,
5: no, no, I'm
14: not even kidding. Okay, now the situation room with Wolf Blitzer will be 4 to 7 p.m. And if things keep going this way, Wolf Blitzer will be on 28 hours a day at CNN. Okay, can I send you a memo, please? More Wolf Blitzer is not the answer. He was on for two hours already, and you had horrible ratings. How's three hours of Wolf gonna help you? I hope that it's a transition period for them. But look, changing these faces are irrelevant. They're not getting the memo that the audience is sending them. The audience is saying, we don't want the same plastic robots. Reading us fake news with your fake neutrality, Democrats said this, Republicans said that, and I'm completely neutral to the truth. That's not the most trusted name in news. They don't trust you anymore. That's why they're leaving. You can get someone even prettier and put them on it. Oh my God! And they, you know, look at this. Or you can get a big name, Piers Morgan. Oh my God! Do you know how big he is in the UK or how big he was on a entertainment program on another network? No, it isn't the big names. It isn't the pretty faces. That's not what this is about. It's about they don't trust you anymore. <laughs> and Wolf Blitzer ain't gonna be the answer. And replacing John King with another robot is not gonna be the answer. I have nothing against John King. I have nothing against any other anchors personally. I think they're, they're swell people. I don't know them that much. What I do know, they seem perfectly pleasant. It isn't about that, it's that you've got to report the real news. So if President Obama does something wrong, don't just ask Republicans what do you think about that. Find out what the truth of the matter is. Oftentimes the Republicans are completely lying about President Obama, and sometimes they even undersell what President Obama is doing wrong. If the Republicans and the Democrats agree that we should kill U.S. citizens abroad with drone strikes without any trial, that doesn't mean they're right as an investigative reporting. That you should be doing at CNN but are doing almost none of, you should go out there and challenge the government. That's your number one problem. And any change of face or robots isn't going to help you at all until you change that underlying philosophy. And it isn't about being against President Obama or even being against Republicans. It's about saying, we're going to keep them honest. That shouldn't be a throwaway segment in one of your shows, that should be the whole network. And by the way, how do I know? The proof is in the pudding, your numbers are a disaster. Now, you might say, oh well, you're on current, and current's in you know, new station, and ha what are you talking about ratings for? Look, first of all, we're the number one show on current. So for what it's worth, okay, we've had some success in this context. Second of all, online, we've got 730 million views out of nowhere. We've got 30 million views a month out of nowhere. Now, that's not to brag. That's to say that, hey, if you actually give real news to people, they go, hey, you know what? Wow, look at that. They're actually criticizing both parties. They're actually trying to put a check on the government like the media is supposed to do. And that's why we got a million people a day watching us online when they said you couldn't get anybody to watch you online. Because it's an oasis. Why is it an oasis? It's because you're a desert. Do you understand, CNN? Any superficial change is not gonna help you. You have to have fundamental structural change where you actually serve the job of the press, which is to be a watchdog against the government.
15: My name is Nora. I was just listening to the material at the end of the Citizens United episode about Jonathan Haidt. And while I'm not very familiar with his work, I think he said something that cannot be emphasized enough and that is that the other side is not crazy. And I mean, so many times the liberal pundits, although I love them so much and I wouldn't be listening to your show if I didn't, so many times they just kind of miss the mark on this issue. How often do we hear that conservatives just hate facts? And it comes off as a kind of character attack in a way, like they're so stupid that they don't get that facts are real. And I think that's an easy sort of justification for a set of ideals that go far beyond just denying things on the basis that they are true or reasonable. Conservatives aren't on a crusade against facts Oh, against facts that don't support what they already believe for reasons that are moralistic rather than objective measures. Um, But by this logic, liberals hate facts as well, or at least facts that don't support what they already believe. So let's say that a review in a scientific journal demonstrated that the more that you give to the poor, the greater your risk becomes for heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Or say a similar review concluded that vegetarianism is associated with narcissism and a shorter lifespan. I don't think that that would make much of a dent in the lifestyle choices of people already devoted to the principles of animal rights and charity. And to demonstrate why I think that is, I'd like to share my own experience. So, I became very ill my senior year of high school, with a chronic condition, and fortunately is now under control leading a normal life. But during the months that I was not, my family stumbled upon a therapy that was supposed to be very effective against my disease and it happened to be a diet. The main feature of the diet was similar to the active diet in that no grains were allowed, like not even rice or potatoes, just no complex carbs. But since I was kind of already acceptable to the idea that natural treatment is superior to pharmaceutical treatment, I became very dogmatic and closed-minded about health. Uh, I thought complex carbs were just terrible for everyone. I thought that all illnesses were caused by food. I thought that all illnesses could be cured by food. And uh, because the principle of natural is good and drugs are bad was so central to how I now viewed things, I began denying daily realities in order to fit the world into my perspective. So I could see that people would not develop the same condition that I had, and yet I convinced that their diets eventually would lead them to having what I had. I had also developed gluten intolerance, and I fought into some camps that said that gluten just causes all illness, and it was just, like, terrible, stupid thinking on my part that mostly served to make me feel better about what I was doing because my diet was so restricted and I just wanted there to be a silver lining, some kind of... So the reason I'm no longer thinking this way is that the diet didn't even work. Um, So I'm now happily using medication with no side effects and eating a normal diet. So now that it's not important to me to maintain that black and white reality I had, it's a lot easier to come to terms with real reality. So what I'm trying to say is it's not facts that conservatives hate. It's threats to the underlying principles of their world. They love facts that support their worldview, which is a human tendency that we all share, liberal or conservative. Um, I think a big part of the problem is when people oversimplify issues uh, to appeal to values because, like I think your caller said, they're preying on our gut feelings and our trust in our gut. And in a world where so many issues seem out of our control and instead lie in the hands of a few corporate or government entities, it's pretty clear the offer of a simple answer has appeal. It makes it seem like we really can do something. We really do have an effect in the world. Uh, think of the Coney 2012 video. I think what made that most effective was the implication that what we average folks do actually can solve a problem because it's really very simple. And of course, joking. It's not a simple issue at all, but that seemed to be the premise of the Coney video. So when something seems too simple, that's kind of a red flag. It's the simplistic views that tend to be the most radical and lead to the denial of facts. So that's what I wanted to say. I'm 18, I listen to all your shows now, Um, although I'm a little worried that they'll make me biased at uh, such a tender age. before I can really process things, but I hope that this call has demonstrated that I can think things through rationally. And your show keeps me even younger than I am.
16: This is Todd from an occupied Los Angeles. I was been thinking about the Moyers piece uh, for a long time. And uh, I'm always amazed that pundits and sociologists and stuff uh, you know, can describe conservative behavior and motives extremely well, but they ethically fail when it comes to progressives. The thought that uh, conservatives are, you know, worried about karma fails to mention that conservatives are focused on negative karma. You know, being all up in somebody else's business and, you know, oh, they better not get something they don't deserve. Whereas progressives, are focused on positive karma, doing good works, regardless of, you know, the circumstances underlying that, and thinking, you know, hey, you know, good karma is going to come my way too. So, you know, conservatives, I think, uh, by and large, are a negative force in our world, whereas progressives are a positive force.
0: Thanks for listening everyone. Thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or an activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So I'm loving the responses I'm getting to the Jonathan Haidt uh, commentary from a couple episodes back. So besides these two that you just heard now, I want to play just a, a quick clip of the voicemail that was on the previous episode responding to this so that we can get everyone up to speed and then I'll respond
15: to it. And there are two responses to injustice. You can fight it, which means questioning the legitimacy of your society, or you can justify it. And we know the Conservatives have a deeply held need to see their system as fair and just. So they are forced to blame the victim and latch onto this idea of deservingness, or the Protestant work ethic, or the rags-to-riches mythology. So their attitudes aren't driven by their commitment to justice. Their commitment to this version of justice is a way for them to rationalise away the obvious failings of their cherished social system. I mean, he's essentially defending those people who yelled out, let him die. And that's where you end up when you treat different moral orientations and ideologies as equally valid.
0: So let me say first that it is definitely not lost on me that this episode was about the media and contained, as episodes on the media always do, comments about uh, false equivalency and how. Th- Part of the fundamental failures of the media is their insatiable need to create balance where none truly exists and you know so it's, it's painful and I, I have you know very, very strong feelings against uh, coming to conclusions of balance and neutrality when it's not really deserved. So it's really interesting that these comments are coming you know first from Todd and, and then also from the uh, from the message from the previous episode talking about Jonathan Heights uh kind of conclusions he he goes through the process of explaining the thought process of liberals and conservatives and how they get to the points of belief that they have and so forth and you know and that these uh commenters com- coming back are saying that he's coming to this false sense of balance and i'm not even saying that that's not the case but it's interesting that I didn't even pick up on that when I was listening to it the first time, because I, I definitely don't see explaining someone's actions as equivalent to condoning them. And so I I took his points of view, and, and it all made sense to me, and it rang true to me that you know, conservatives come to their perspectives based on these sort of fundamental pieces of morality and and how their worldview is structured and everything. And so, uh, you know, so I I learned from that, but I didn't see it as sort of a endorsement of both forms of morality being equal. I, you know, for me, I heard his points and I heard okay, this is how progressives come to their conclusions and this is how uh, conservatives do. And it reinforced my feeling about, oh, right, so I understand how they come to their conclusions now and I still think they're completely wrong (laughs) and the conclusions and, and the results of those opinions that they have, you know, end up with disastrous results that are bad for people. So for anyone else who got the impression like a couple of these callers did that he was endorsing a false equivalency, and I may have been uh, endorsing it by playing it, that was certainly not my intention. I, I don't actually have any idea what Jonathan Haidt's intention was. A couple of people wrote in and said, you, you know, maybe you can't trust this guy exactly. He sounds kind of conservative. And there are some references to uh, he used to be liberal and now he's conservative. And so who knows? And and that's not, that's not where I found the value in, in what he had. It, literally, his conclusions were not really the value that I found in it, it was the journey he took me on in in that conversation that sort of opened up my mind to a variety of different perspectives that I just, you know, that hadn't occurred to me before. So my intent in playing those clips was to sort of take you on a shortened version of that same journey. Now, if you still have comments, questions, thoughts on this, please keep those coming in. I really find this conversation fascinating and and would love to continue. Uh, So the number again, 206-202-3410. And that's going to do it for today. Thanks to everyone who supports the show by becoming a member or donating uh, just one time to the show. That is absolutely how the show survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like through your social networks. All that can be done through the website. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook.
7: Shining she, the only maker that you wanna meet. A dying man in a living room, whose shadow the shadow up bases floor will take you out in the open door? This is not my life. It's just a fun farewell to a friend. It's not what I'm like. It's just a fond